welcome to Every 68 Seconds. I am your host, Courtney, and this is going to be season two of my podcast. Last season, we talked a lot about my own experience as a sexual assault survivor and also a lot of other topics that I felt don't get talked about enough in this subject. So definitely go back and listen to that season from the beginning just so you can understand why we're even here and what has happened to me as well because that'll play a lot into this season. Um, And in this season, we're going to be talking with significant others of survivors, survivors themselves, hearing different perspectives and stories from other people and as well as some experts on the subject. So just keep in mind as survivors are listening to this that you... You know, you know that some of these things will be a little bit triggering to hear. Um, we don't really sugarcoat things here because I don't think that it really helps anyone. So just keep that in mind as you listen. But I hope that you are all just as excited as I am to do this season and to listen to all these awesome people. So let's jump right in. All right. Welcome to Every 68 Seconds, y'all. It's Courtney. Um, We are back. I know having a week without an episode might have been weird, but um, I'm happy to get to this like every every two weeks kind of thing. It's feeling a lot more smooth and not as stressful for me. So hopefully that's cool with y'all. But I have a really fun guest today, actually. I'm excited to talk to her because um, she is a therapist for a certain type of therapy that a lot of people probably don't know about. I personally just learned about it in the last like year while doing like research about trauma therapy. Um, and it's called EMDR therapy, but I'm not going to even try to explain any of it. I'm going to let her do all the talking about that, but just first want to kind of introduce her or let herself introduce herself, I guess, and, you know, get to talking and chatting before we get into the good stuff about EMDR. Um, but yeah, let us know like who you are, what you do, what, what you've been up to all the things. Sure. So I'm really happy to be here. This is my first podcast. So I'm very excited <laughs> for that. Um, but I do primarily trauma therapy. So I do do other like different forms of therapy, like CBT and CBT, but I found that EMDR is my favorite type of therapy when it comes to trauma, um, especially this type of trauma that we're talking about. Um, And it stands for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. And basically, like the fastest way I can explain it, because it is very complex of a therapy, but whenever like a trauma happens to you, um, it gets stuck in a certain part of your brain. And so then like, after that trauma happens, you go on kind of reliving it, kind of like all the symptoms that we know about PTSD. And it's all because this particular incident or memory is just stuck. And talking about it sometimes is not enough to get it unstuck. And once it's stuck like that, our mind starts to create new patterns to like rewire itself around that incident. That mm. makes a little bit and so EMDR, essentially, you start like with the memory in session with me and we like relive it in a sense, not like in the full magnifying way, but we picture the image with like whatever the mindset is that is also stuck with the memory. So a big one for a lot of people would be something like, um, like I'm not good enough or I'm not in control, like a mindset, a personal mindset that attaches with the memory. And through the use of bilateral stimulation, so it's like either your eye movements or 
audio back and forth or you have like buzzers back and forth. It literally rewires the way that that memory is stored in your brain and it clears out that negative mindset that was once there and replaces it with a more adaptive way of thinking with more clarity because as you know, like whenever we have a trauma happen to us, everything is cloudy, you know, your judgment is impaired from that. So yeah, that's like a short and fried version. Okay. Yeah, that's super interesting. I literally, yeah. I mean, I didn't know all of that stuff. So that's really cool. And I even studied psychology and I don't remember really talking about EMDR. Like we talked about CBT, you know, like yes, all that kind of you know, the basics, but we didn't get into that. At least that I remember it was I don't know how new it is, but like I was in college, um, before 2017, like when I graduated. So okay. I'm not sure if it's like newer than that, but we did not talk about that. That's so interesting. Yeah. So it's actually been around since I think like 1998. But really? It's, yeah. It's fully like gaining more, more people are becoming aware of it. And it is like the, the most effective, at least research studies have shown the most effective for trauma. So that's why oh. I was like, okay, like I'm yeah. So I was like, I, I do mostly traumas. So I'll specialize yeah. in that. It's all the, the reason I really like it is it's very self-healing. Like it's just letting your mind do the natural process as it normally would. Cause like, for example, the eye movements, we do that in our REM sleep. So whenever something happens to us um, in our day, whether something big, like a trauma or something small, our, we go to sleep that night and our mind goes into REM sleep and we just process and digest what happened to us. And then we wake up the next morning and either we're fine or either it's still stuck. Trauma yeah. is stuck. Yeah. The eye movements, it's really just doing what we already do in our REM sleep. It's just replicating that process that our, our mind is capable of self-healing. Sometimes it just needs a little help, you know? Yeah. yeah. And for people who don't know, REM sleep stands for rapid eye movement sleep. So it, yeah. I guess that would make sense that it, it does a similar thing for smaller traumas, but you know, when yeah. there's bigger ones, you have to do a little bit extra work, I guess. Um, so how did you get in, like, this is so interesting. How did you get into it? Like, how did you find out about it? I'm assuming you studied something related to that in college and then yeah. found it that way. Yeah. So I knew I always wanted to be like focusing on trauma. I knew that was what I wanted to be my um, specialty in, in therapy. And I was finding that CBT and CPT just was not cutting it enough sometimes, especially when people have like complex trauma. So if it's something like a singular incident, like a car accident, for example, like that's something I think not for everyone, but for some people, like it can be talked through and they can like heal from that a lot easier. But when it's something more complex, like years of prolonged trauma or just a series of patterns happening over and over again, like talking about it was just not enough. It, it was like, okay, this is so stuck and their brain is so rewired right now for protection instead of just comfortability. It's like, I need something more. <laughs> so yeah. that's when I got, yeah. So that's how I got trained in it. And it has just been like game changing for my practice. Um, things that would typically take like years for someone to work through takes me just like sometimes just up to six sessions. Wow. So, it's really, really accelerated. It's super accelerated, but it's very intense. Like it's a very intense. Yeah. Therapy. It sounds yeah. intense. I know, mm -hmm. um, like most therapies, you don't necessarily talk about the 
experience itself because it can be like re-traumatizing. So how does that work with EMDR? Is it, is it re-traumatizing for them or, or because they're focusing on the eye movement and things like that, it's maybe not, um, coming in as a, tra- as a traumatizing thought, if yeah. that makes that does make sense. So like <clears throat> for some, some instances, you don't have to tell me at all what happened, which is really a relief for some people. Cause there's a lot of shame associated with their trauma. So for some of it, you don't have to tell me about it. Cause it's all self-healing. Like you're doing it on your own. We're not talking so much during the sets that I do. And so like by sets, I mean, like they're doing the EMDR with the bilateral stimulation for about like a minute long and then I check in and then we do another set and so on. Um, And so it is intense in that you have to like really sit with your thoughts. (laughs) And a lot of us don't like to do that. Oh, I know I definitely do not like to sit with my thoughts. Oh man. It's so much easier to avoid when you're just in a conversation talking, you know, you can find a way to skirt yourself out. But with the EMDR, we start with the worst part of the memory, which is like awful. No one wants to do that. Yeah. So like I start with the very worst part of it and we like hit pause on that. And that's when they either close their eyes and start the bilateral with the audio or they're doing the eye, movement, eye movements, I'm sorry. And we attach the worst part of the memory with the negative mindset, like I was telling you about, and then like the feeling that they feel in their body, because usually trauma is stored in your body somewhere. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. In my tightness of chest. So that's exactly where we start, worst part of it. And then once we start the bilateral stimulation, it kind of opens up this memory network in your mind, which is already there. And it finds everything that that memory is connected to in your life. So it might be like, completely irrelevant things that you think is irrelevant at least but has a connection in your mind or it just might start playing that scene and letting it run and I just let your mind take you where it wants to go because it knows where it needs to go and so it's kind of like working in your subconscious in that way if that makes sense yeah you know and it's it's intense because we don't we just want to like avoid those (laughs) moments you know and just find a way to skirt around it but it's going to take you there and it all as it's doing it, I stay out of the way because it's just processing all that is stuck and it's getting it unstuck, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's weird because as you talk about this, it sounds similar to a, not the same, but it sounds very similar to a therapy that I did. Oh, like pretty much when was this? It was like probably six months after mm-hmm. my trauma or actually not even six, I think it was like three or four. Um, but I went home and I was living in Virginia at the time when it did happen to me. And then I moved home, didn't move. I visited home to California and my mom had a friend who did a type of music therapy and it has a specific name. Like, I don't remember what it was called to be honest. It wasn't EMDR though. Um, but it's, it was similar in the way that she would have me like close my eyes be very like still. And then she would, well, before, before that she would have us talk about like, what do you want to focus on to like, what has been the most like intrusive thought that you've been having lately? Like we're relating to that, you know? Um, and then, so we would, we would kind of like bring that up and then she would have me close my eyes and turn on music and, um, diffuse like essential oils. And I would literally just tell her what was like, happening in my brain and it was never even about like it was weird 
It was never um, a specific memory. It was like my brain imagining me going somewhere or like seeing something. Um, and she would like, she, I would tell her that she would write it down and like ask me questions back, but she would just allow my brain to go like where it needed to go. And then by the end of it, like I had all of these crazy connections between what was imagining in my brain to like the truth that I was trying to combat my intrusive thoughts with, if that makes sense. But anyway, it sounds kind of similar in a way. And it was super helpful to do as well. And normally a lot of emotions were brought up, but it was like, I got to work through them, like through that. that Very interesting. I don't know what that would be called, but that sounds really interesting. Yeah. I don't know either. I don't think it's super like popular by any means, but, um, but yeah, it was super cool. And I never like, I never would have thought that I would do that either because it was very, it felt like really hippy dippy with like the music yes. and the essential oils and like yes. all that stuff, but it was super <laughs> effective, you know? So yeah. I don't know. It was weird, but, um, but it was also the whole, like, where do you feel that in your body? She would ask me that question. Like, where are you feeling it? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it would be like in my chest, like with anxiety or right. in my head with like rumination, you know? So right. that's really cool though. Um, yeah. So I'm, like- Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? Go ahead. A lot of it, like I noticed when I do each session, a lot of it sounds like it's the, the feedback they're giving back to me sounds like just a lot of ruminating thoughts. Yeah. Those thoughts repeat over and over and over again. So if you can clear out with the EMDR, you, you most likely won't have it anymore, you know, which is just a huge relief for some people because you're not trying to have these intrusive thoughts. You're not like trying to feed into it. It's just, gets on a, a loop <laughs> it does it totally does um it's hard to get those thoughts to like go away because your brain is wired to like go to them all automatically um so I'm curious because you said that you knew like when you got into therapy and you were like studying in college you knew that you wanted to focus on trauma and I'm just curious like why why did you have um kind of like a pull towards trauma because there's so many other things that you can focus on in therapy Right. I feel like there, there definitely are a lot of trauma therapists out there for sure. But there, it, a lot of it is also this like neglected field because it, it is overwhelming to some therapists, you know, because it, it is very intense and sometimes it can be very prolonged, especially if it is like complex PTSD, like I was saying. So it's not, it's not as easier, so to say, to treat as like something as anxiety, for example, you know, anxiety yeah. is a lot of times I think anxiety is really based on trauma as well, but it's trauma is harder to treat with just talk therapy. So, and I think a lot of therapists realize that, and that's why it's not so much um, a specialized field. And I really saw that when I was um, in college and I was working with military and veterans a lot. And that's really what got me into it. And I was like, oh, wow, there's, this is this huge field out here of just so many people you know, that are all different types of trauma, you know, so, so many, all different types. This is a huge field that is kind of neglected in some ways, you know, and that's what really sparked my interest in it. It's like, well, thank you for doing what you do, because I know it's not easy. I have other friends who are um, like marriage and family therapists or other kinds of therapists, and it's very difficult on them that what they do, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for a therapist to listen to a lot of things that happen to people on a daily basis, you know, like I'm sure that causes some kind of, um, like maybe anxiety or things for you. I'm curious how that, how that is being a therapist. I know it's 
probably not easy, but I'm, I'm sure it's also rewarding. So it, yes, it's definitely rewarding. Like I've had to learn to build that habit from exactly what you said. Like I, if I hear this all day long, like this, the most unthinkable things that humanity is capable of, you know, and I hear this all day, <laughs> I would start to carry it. So I had to like make this intentional effort to be like, I need to leave this <laughs> at my job, you know, because if, if I'm coming home carrying this, it's not benefiting them and it's not benefiting me, you know, now yeah. I'm like going to burn myself out here. So it did take like a very mental effort in time to learn how to separate myself from my job, you know? And of course I do think about my clients all the time, but not carrying on what they're carrying. Cause it's not going to benefit anyone in that, you know? That Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That, and that's good. I'm glad that you figured out like a way to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm curious, like hearing all the, like you said, terrible things that humanity does, does it change? Have you had, have you struggled with changing your kind of mindset about the world? Like, does it make you feel less hopeful about the world or just, you know, something like that? Yeah. So that's a really good question. I like that question. Um, it could, like I could, if I let that be my only perception, I think it would really damage how I think of humanity, you know, and I try to every single client I meet, whether they're a survivor or a perpetrator, which I do get sometimes, I try to look at everyone with this humanistic perspective, which basically just means everyone is born inherently good until something happens to them that makes them have to lead a different path, you know? Mm. And I think with trauma, a lot of people either after a trauma, they take the path of empathy or they take, and sometimes that can be extended too much, like people pleasing tendencies, yes. you know, yeah. like that can be overextended. So they either take a path of empathy or they take a path of apathy. And I think everyone is born inherently good. And after something like that happens to them, it just really can be damaging to someone's mindset, you know, but I try oh, yeah. to see the good, you know, and yeah. if you even if after your trauma, you've done like, you know, what would be considered bad things that have survival, like that's not necessarily your true intentions. It's just acting out of <laughs> survival purely. Yeah. Bad, yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. And you said you, you said you do, um, do therapy for even perpetrators too. What does that look like? Yeah. Um, it's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I bet a lot more difficult. Um, I, I have to be selective. Sometimes there is some people that have done too much for me to be able to intervene, which sounds really bad. I know. No, (laughs) I I understand. (laughs) Like, for example, if, um, if I have someone coming in and that is very much on the spectrum of narcissism, Mm. me doing therapy with them sometimes will not help because they're not willing to shift their perspective you know what I if that makes sense like nothing I can say is going to resonate with them so at that point like it's kind of a waste of time yeah yeah no I totally have run into that before and but if someone is more and like they're willing to change they understand like what they did and they're they are remorseful and they want to change their patterns and their way of thinking and they're open to the process of therapy 
then that I could do. But if someone is like, mm, I'm not the problem, you know? Yeah. And so. what do they normally come? What, what have you experienced that they come in for exactly the perpetrators? Perpetrators. Okay. Um, a lot of times it's like couples, you know, okay. abuse. So yeah. I see that sometimes where like they're coming in together hmm. and, um, the, the spouse is like receiving the abuse and yeah. he's the you know get treatment for couples but if he's not really willing to see the problem then that's typically yeah about it. yeah um, yeah yeah and I, sometimes another instance would be like I um perpetrators will come in because people around them will encourage them to come to therapy and so they're kind of coming for them not for themselves if that makes sense like they're yeah. coming because someone around them is pushing them to get help but they're not ready to get help yeah that makes sense yeah yes, like therapy is something that you have to want if if you're doing it for the sake of someone else it, it doesn't really De work you know? definitely yeah um so true this might be a weird question but do you have a favorite or like a like a certain kind of trauma that you're most passionate about yeah. helping if that makes sense yeah so on that same note I really love working with survivors of narcissism I really? love okay. that population so yeah. typically it's women um, that I see but um, that have come out of relationships like that or I work with a lot of women that are still in them and trying to get out which is such a hurdle you know such a hurdle and EMDR works with the present too so like we can work on present stressors and triggers yeah. not just from the past but I no, I have a lot of clients like that right now that have come out of these narcissistic relationships and just that is my favorite I would say <laughs> which yeah it's like not great to have favorites but I would say that is my favorite type of um population yeah and do you know if there's like a certain reason why or is it just that way because I think it's just it's very rewarding for me to try to to help them shift their perspective. Cause, and I know you talked about it in some of your other podcasts, but like that trauma bond being so, so strong, you know? And so having to like, it takes time to really like rewire that psychological damage that that does to someone. Yeah. And when they're finally seeing things with clarity, whether it be in the present or the past, I just, I find it to be so amazing. Cause with women that are in these narcissistic relationships there's typically like a pattern like because they're not realizing the damage it does and so they go from one relationship that's narcissistic to another to another to another because they're just living off this same you know perception and mindset so once once that should change they go through like this healthy grief of it because they're seeing things with more clarity and they're realizing like these patterns you know but the impact that it has after that is just so amazing I just love that um how do they normally conclude that they need to go to therapy if especially ones who are still in the relationship how do you how do they come to realization like I need therapy for this you know what I mean because I know a lot of times when you're stuck in the brain fog you don't even know that you there's an going I I know that and I think not all women get there and to that point. And so like a lot of them, they come to see me because they think they're the problem. You know, they think, oh, something's <laughs> wrong with me here. 
And then it's not until in therapy, I'm like, wait, 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 hold up. You are not the problem here. They didn't even realize it. Like you said, you know, mm-hmm. they were just, it was this clouded perception that they had that I must be the problem. This person's making me out to be like this terrible, awful person. I'm the problem. Let me go to therapy because something's wrong with me. I need something to be fixed about me, you know? Yeah. And that's not until they're in therapy and I'm like letting them see this bigger picture here that they're like, oh, <laughs> maybe there is something going on, you know? Uh, so yeah. I mean, that happens a lot. That's actually how I would say most common how it happens. They're coming in because they think they're the problem when they're, they're obviously makes, not the problem. That makes a lot of sense. Knowing, yes. a, li- knowing a little bit about my experience yeah. with who I, who I think was a narcissist. I don't like know mm-hmm. fact, but right. I read about, cause I went on like crazy research hole just like all the things about it because I was like I think this dude is a narcissist after the fact of course um yeah uh but yeah I'm curious um Mm -hmm. what you just for because you know the most about it I definitely don't I've talked about a little bit but um what do you see in those relationships that tell you this is a narcissistic relationship like what are the signs if that makes sense yeah the signs the biggest sign would be if the person who is making you cry is also the person that's wiping your tears. That I would say is like the biggest telltale sign. If the person that's like inflicting all this pain on you is also the one that has to come and bring you back down from it, you know, and that starts to give less and less and less over time, like more it's now it's like they're just inflicting this emotional pain but once that bond is formed, they're not going to come to bring you back down. So now you're just left, not able to self-soothe, you know? Um, And so that's why a lot of these girls think, oh my gosh, like what's wrong with me? Like I'm having these emotional outbreaks all the time and I don't know why, but you know, and really it's, it's them. It's the other person that's just wanting to bring you back, bring you down so low that you can't bring yourself back up anymore on your own, you know? And the reason for that being like they get gratification being the one in power, you know? And so if they're seeing you get this terrible, awful emotional reaction, that is their signal. I'm winning here. Like I'm in power. They need me now, you know, when really from the, if you started from the beginning, you did not need that person at all. You know, that's typically, I would say totally sound tell the sign of it yeah. yeah 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 that's good that's good for people to hear I think because maybe some people don't know the one like yeah. I was definitely in something like that and I didn't know in the middle of it but um I also didn't hear much about it while I was in it so I didn't really see the signs exactly um and I think people like around you probably knew or not in your case in particular but in a lot of cases people know and they don't want to like get in like some someone's business that's not their own but a lot of times that's all someone needs is for someone to say to them like yeah healthy like this is not okay what's happening yes yeah just telling themselves yep just showing them is you know yeah um what what is it about emdr therapy that helps those people that are in those Mm -hmm. kind of relationships like what about it do you think helps them so much I think what's most helpful is shifting that mindset about themselves. Cause that is really, I find to be the most damaging is the mindset, like the beliefs you gain about yourself. Yeah. That 
sticks a lot stronger than the actual traumatic memories sometimes. So like what I mean by that is like, um, um, trying to start with an instance here. Like if something happened and they develop that mindset, like I'm not good enough. Like I'm not good enough as a person, like I was saying before, or I don't matter, or I'm unlovable. That's a really strong one. So it's always like yeah. a nice I statement. So once that mindset starts, whether it be after like the first trauma or a few, what once that mindset starts to pop up, it will pull every evidence it can find to prove it to be true. You yeah, know what I mean? So totally. Like I'm unlovable. It will find everything around it to make that statement true in their head that I am unlovable. So now, no matter what that person does, it proves it true, the perpetrator. But then outside of that, like in any friendships, family, yep. anything they'll find to prove that mindset true. And I don't know why our brain does this to us, but it does it to us, you know, yeah. it's just trying to like anticipate what's going to happen now. Yeah. Yeah. It wants to protect itself. So yeah. 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 So that is really hard to, I think that's the most damaging part of it is trying to shift that mindset because after years of abuse that mindset's in there pretty concrete now yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. I definitely had kind of those like negative beliefs about my myself as well which I still have some struggling with yes but the biggest thing for me was this idea that I can't trust myself anymore and that was kind of the and it was honestly the thing that my abuser drilled into me the most and he didn't like say those words you can't trust yourself or whatever but he the way that he abused me um spiritually and like verbally and emotionally before the sexual abuse happened it was like you can't trust yourself so anything I thought was my own thought I didn't even trust it anymore you know and then that that whole like eight or so months that he was in my life in that way I like don't even I look back on that and I'm like who was that like that was not me you know because I I really didn't feel like myself so that's something that I've had to work through over the last two and a half years or so is just like gaining this trust back to myself and then feeling like I have to forgive myself I have to forgive myself because I did this to myself because that was the other thing like I did this to myself he made me think you know, so, um, definitely those thoughts have been something that I've had to work through. So I'm, I'm sure that those similar thoughts, people just, they have such a hard time getting it out in like their own way. Um, so I mean, EMDR therapy would probably be good for me too. I'm assuming I, even, even almost three years later, I don't know, like, I'm sure there's not like a time limit, you know, at all. No, you should definitely do it. Cause like I said, like, you can look back on memory sometimes and be like, yeah, that memory doesn't really bother me anymore, but it's that mindset that, that yeah. lingers. And that is, totally. like the, I think most damaging. You should definitely, do it. definitely. Sure. Oh, maybe I will now that we talked about it. <laughs> I, I have people that are fresh out of it and I have people that it's been like a decade, you know, if yeah, if I was going to ask that. Yeah, yeah. If I'm healed all wounds, like I would not have a job. <laughs> So true. Like people yeah. think, oh, from the time it happens to like 10 years is just like this straight line up, you know, like this yeah. linear no. healing process, but it's not like that at all. And at the all. less, the less you deal with it too, like after it happens, the more it kind of builds up. And then those, mm-hmm. I feel like those mindsets get even more like locked in as locked you in. don't, as you 
push that trauma down and you don't like deal with it, you know? Perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. You hit it on the nail with that. It's, it's like gaining strength in your mind if you let it, you know, and it's not like you're trying to let it. It's just, that is what it's inherently going to do. Like it is just going to pull whatever evidence it can to make it true on your day to day. And at that point it has nothing to do with the trauma. You're just, this is your new perception in life, you know, and you look before the trauma, you're like, Oh, I never thought this way, you know? So, you know, an EMDR pulls the root but then it also deals with how it's now manifested in the present. Okay. And does it, does it also help? Cause I know thing, one thing mm-hmm. I dealt with a lot after was like, um, mm-hmm. flashbacks and I still have them just on occasion now, which is really cool. I think, honestly, I think doing mm-hmm. my podcast and like talking so much about my trauma has helped a lot, <laughs> like desensitizing in a way. Um, so I don't have a lot of those flashbacks now, but I used to have flashbacks a lot. And I'm wondering if like flashbacks of my actual memories and like going into kind of a panic state because of that does EMDR I know because you focus more on like mindset does that help with those things too like yes. the PTSD the kind of symptom sense oh yeah like 100% so like EMDR is like broken up into these phases so it's eight stages and the fourth stage of it is um desensitization and that's exactly what it's doing like it's these particular moments or memories that you're having as flashbacks. So like I get like a scale on zero to 10, I'll be like, how intense is it when you think of this moment? So I don't want to get into details of examples, but like a very bad moment. And they'll be like, "Mm, this, when I think of this and I let, I let myself sit with it, this feels like it's at an eight. Okay. So we start with that. And then we just let that scene run with the EMDR and I'm staying out of the way during that process. And then like about halfway through the session, I'll check back with them. I'll be like, let's go back to this target where we started at the worst moment. How does it feel now? At this point, it should be desensitized a bit. And they'll be like, it feels like a two, you know, and that's what it does. It really just lets the intensity of it kind of come away. And you can just see it now as just any other regular memory. And Mm. it's always going to be sad like you know you have to be realistic because if something terrible happened to you you're never going to look at it as just positive yeah yeah it's always going to be sad but the intensity of it won't be there anymore so once that part is taken care of in the EMDR then I shift into the mindset okay but first I have to clear out the intensity of the particular memory and once that memory yeah it's so interesting and once that memory is cleared out and it doesn't bother you anymore you typically won't get flashbacks anymore either because your mind processed it it's now it's not stuck in that trauma part of your brain anymore it's moved on Mm -hmm. to the back hemisphere of the brain and it just it aligns like the emotional side of our brain with the logical side of our brain because the trauma is just stuck in the logic the emotional part I'm sorry yeah yeah it just combines the two so now it's like you look back on it and it's like that happened. That really sucked. You know, that was sad, but it, you don't feel it anymore. If that makes sense. That's cool. And just to clarify, like while they are ruminating on this bad memory, what's mm-hmm. happening exactly? You said there's music or you said there's eye movement. What, what exactly is happening yeah. there? So not music. It's like a tone, like a little beat that goes back and forth. And so, yeah, like what's happening is they're having this 
um, dual stimulation. So whether it be their eyes moving back and forth or like this beep in their, it, like they have a headset on this mm-hmm. beep going back and forth, or like I have these little pulsators that you hold in your hands and those going back and forth. So it's either all of them or just two of them. Typically I just do two. Like a lot of people like visualize better with their eyes closed. So I don't do the eye movements, but if someone can do the eye movements, that's where EMDR started with the eye movements. So they're having dual focus. So they're having this back and forth type of stimulation, whatever it is, you know, as they're focusing in on their thoughts and their, um, the image that they're working with. Yeah. You kind of tune out the the bilateral stimulation and you just focus mostly what's in your head, but that bilateral stimulation is what's rewiring the way it's stored as you're thinking of it. Wow. I I know this is so complex. I'm trying to make it confusing. I think that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That's really cool. Um, Yeah, Yeah, so it's like, it's doing the work right then there in our session. The reason it's very intense is because it, it's continuing to do the work um, 12 to 24 hours after. So it is common to have like more flashbacks coming in, which we know we prepare for. And I do coping skills for beforehand because you'll get more flashbacks like pretty soon after you'll get like very intense dreams after like it's, it's stirring the pot for sure. Yeah. That's scary to think about. (laughs) Yes, I know, but it's worth it because you have to think of it like, it's a temporary time of distress, but it has like this huge long-term benefit, you know? How, how effective have you seen it to be? Like if you, I don't know if you have numbers, but just like how effective has it been for people that you do this therapy for? Like extremely, extremely effective. The only time I find it not effective is if someone is just not mentally ready for it. Like if they're just like I said before, like going to therapy for the sake of someone else, you know, like they're not really ready to do it themselves. Cause it does, it is like, you know, mentally draining in the moment. Like it's very, it's very um, hard to do and it's very intense and you just have to want to get better. Like you have to trust the process and just know this is going to pay off. It's going to be just a temporary time of pain light at the end of the tunnel (laughs) yes there's light at the end of the tunnel you know you have to just want it and if you want it then it is so so effective and emtr works for so many issues it works for like grief and eating disorders and depression um yeah i was gonna ask you like who who needs emdr therapy like people that are listening might be like Oh, well, I haven't had trauma. So like, does it work for other things, you know? Yeah. Like, and you know, there, I think people have like this perception of trauma having to be like these big incidents in life, like, um, like getting in a car accident or being sexually assaulted. Those Um, are like the big T traumas, but there's also like little, little T traumas in life too. Like having no, this is definitely a big T trauma, but like having like neglectful parents, that's a huge one. Like I do a lot of childhood work um, because that's typically when that mindset starts. But some examples of like a little T trauma would be like a high school breakup or something. And it really shifted your perspective in your mind. And it doesn't seem like it's this big trauma, but maybe they 
I don't know, maybe you guys were together for a few months, but they cheated on you. And now you develop that mindset. Um, I'm unlovable. I'm not good enough. You know, it's, it was a little moment and compared to like having a life altering car accident, but it still changed your perception, you know, so it's still a trauma. And I think I had little traumas kind of like that one with relationship high school or whatever that did, that did put that mindset of like unlovable, not good Mm -hmm. enough in my head, which I think made it even easier for my perpetrator to do what he did. And then made the big trauma even worse, you know? So I'd probably have even more like um, in the past, which most people probably do like that have these big traumas. They have little traumas that kind of like feed into it now, you know? One, 100%. I, I totally agree with you. And like, they kind of discount that stuff, you know, like, oh, that's fine. Like that happened to me so long ago. It doesn't bother me, but it's important to me because I'm like, this is where it started. You know, if this didn't have happened, you, you might not have fallen into this narcissistic relationship, yep. you know? So, so true. Happened, yeah. You, you, you really described it so well. Like if I can start from the beginning, you know, that, yeah. that, that's exactly where this pattern started. And it might be something small, like a little high school breakup, but it also might be something bigger. Like I was saying before, like the way your parent treated you. Yeah. you know and whether whether it be in a bad way or yeah not. yeah yeah and that that's when this pattern happens and a lot of people just they don't realize it but they're following they're falling into this pattern of familiarity like oh I'm used to this you know I'm used to this this is just what normal yeah this is normal so not realizing no this is this is uh, unhealthy you know well, to kind of just like tie everything together, um, one question would be, what would you say to those who have experienced trauma that maybe haven't pursued therapy or maybe they have and haven't tried EMDR? Like, what would you say to those people? Hmm, that's a good question. There, like we said before, there definitely is a light at the end of the tunnel. Like you don't have to let your past predict your present and your future. Yeah. And if you don't, clear this stuff out and process it that's what's going to happen your past will predict your present and your future um and like I get the avoidance of wanting to do therapy like I really get that you know but like I was saying before it just you'll find it although it's painful in the moment it is so reassuring to go through the process and just like you said like doing this podcast kind of has helped you in a bit too just like not letting this be something that you just push under the rug or shove down as far as you can because no matter how far you shove something down it will find its way out definitely yeah like for me it was definitely yeah for me it was definitely coming it came out in like with anger and like I had all this inside that I was like trying to just hide but then what would come out of me was not who I was before which was like an person and I was like who is this you know but that was because I was like not dealing with it as much um as I probably should have so yeah it is not sustainable to just shove it down it doesn't work (laughs) people think it works and it will work for like a good portion of your life but it will find way out one way or another absolutely rip that band-aid off (laughs) totally um I totally agree well just to fit out like is there anything else that like we didn't talk about or anything you just want to kind of end with I guess hmm I think 
I hopefully I didn't butcher Ian <laughs> too much. I think you made it sound okay. super understandable. I hope okay. <laughs> listeners are like, what? I've never heard of this. And yeah. now I get what it does and wh- why it's so yeah. effective. Like I'm definitely more, more convinced that it could be yeah. a good form of therapy for me to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I agree. I, it has just been like such a game changer for me in my practice. And I just, I love it. And it, you know, for people that aren't ready for it, the intensity of it, I still do talk therapy, which is very beneficial in some ways, but I find that this is just the most effective way to pull the root of the problem, you know, and just prevent people from living in their past in this continuous loop, you know, but I think we covered as much as I could think to talk about. I, I'm glad we hit many bases. Yeah, I think so too. Well, thank you so much. This is really exciting. And I, I want to like interview more people in your field, like other kinds of therapy too, to talk about different ways Mm -hmm. that therapy can help those who've experienced trauma. A lot of people that listen are survivors themselves of some kind of trauma, whether it be sexual assault, um, physical abuse, whatever. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited for them to hear from you and then hear from future people too. But thank you so much for being on with me. Yes. Thank you. I loved it. This was a good first podcast. (laughs) I think so too. Yeah. I hope you'll get on some other ones and like talk about your practice and everything. So cool. (laughs) But thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. It's been an honor. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.